Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this in a luxurious Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Well, as it's kind of a, a, a nice chilly day here in, uh, in Southern California, uh, I was, it's super slow. It's super slow in terms of, I mean, who knows, I'm recording this a, a couple of days in advance, so who knows, there may be some gigantic deals, but it's been a really, really slow few, you know, month and a half in terms of the hot stove market. Uh, I got to the point where I looked at MLB trade rumors, and I saw, was excited to see that the Nationals signed Balbi- uh, Balbino Fuenmoyer. Balbino Fuenmoyer. I, I'm 97% sure I am pronouncing that 100% wrong. Balbino Fuenmoyer. Fuenmoyer. Fuen- I, I don't know. It's one of the single most beautiful baseball names I've ever heard in my life. Balbino Fuenmoyer. If I'm saying it wrong, tell me. Um, he was a prospect with the Blue Jays in 2007 when he was 17 years old. He is 27 years old. He's been playing in some form of minor league baseball, foreign league baseball, or independent league baseball every year since 2007. He is a home run hitter. He's had some big power numbers over the years. He's played um, the last, he, he played in the Blue Jay organization for a while. Then he played a lot of independent ball, Caribbean League, uh, independent league in Quebec, and then played in 2015 in the Kansas City Royals organization. And in double A, hit the snot out of the ball and was promoted to triple A. And he hit quite well. I mean, he batted 377. His OPS was 951 in very in a very small sample size. But there's a and and the next year hit well. Um, not for the power they were hoping, but hit well for Omaha in the Kansas City organization. I'm looking at his stats and frustrated that he didn't get a call up in 2015. Uh, remember they called up Raul Mondesi's son and he played his first ever major league game in the World Series. So he got a World Series appearance even though he never appeared in a regular season game. That was his big league debut was in the World Series. Well, if you're going to have someone have their big league debut in the World Series, it could have been Balbano Fuenmoyer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. It's I just I love this name, and he's been he's one of these people. As I said, he's he has a decade of minor league experience in many different leagues, and he was signed um, by Washington, and I, I'm. He has not played one game in the majors. And I'm sure baseball is filled with guys like this. Talented guys who've done well in certain leagues and just had never gotten the call. And I'm going to keep my eye on him this year. He's, he, was, um, he was signed a minor league contract, invited to spring training with Washington. And I hope he makes the team, man. 
I hope he makes the team. I hope he gets to the major leagues. And between that and friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle, on the uh, Washington Nationals, it's like, hey, I'm going to be pulling for them big time to win the World Series because that would be fun. And, you know, he was already in a World Series winning organization, but he didn't get to play in the major leagues. Balbino. What a, I mean, what that, just that first name. Talked about Keith Jackson the other day. Talked about a player you would love to hear. Balbino, one more. I mean, just having Keith Jackson's wonderful booming voice, which I cannot do an impersonation of. Ah, I'm rooting for him. I'm going to be checking in on him. Hoping he gets to the big leagues. Just get in the big leagues. So you can have that moment where you say, yeah, he was a major leaguer. You know, what you used to say, you got his name in the baseball encyclopedia. Moonlight, grab that shit and get him in the get him in one game. Come on. He's put logged in ten years and, and, and there's some great YouTube videos of him playing in the Quebec team. So you see him with a, you know the French speaking uh, uh, announcer. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I was thinking about this the other day. Steven Strasburg, we talked about the Nationals. Balbino's going to join the Nationals. Steven Strasburg's on the Nationals. And Steven Strasburg's name has continued to hang over the franchise because of what happened in 2012. I know some people roll their eyes when they hear this brought up, but, I mean, it's true. It's absolutely true. The... Nationals made a decision to not, you know, to shut down Steven Strasburg because he was coming off of Tommy John surgery and to shut him down with an innings limit in 2012. And instead of doing something like, well, do you know what? Let's reduce his innings or let's change his role so we can have this talented arm in the postseason, their mentality was, hey, we're not doing this for one run to the postseason. We're doing it for multiple runs to the postseason. And the Nationals, who were you know, far superior to the Cardinals, at least in theory, in 2012, lost partly because, and look at the stats, their starting pitching got clobbered. And eventually their beleaguered bullpen got, you know, blew the save in game five. And the Nationals are still waiting for their first ever trip to the National Championship Series. I've said this before, and I've said it again. In many ways, Mike Rizzo, the general manager who made that decision, has been vindicated theoretically. He's been vindicated because Strasburg was able to contribute in 2014, 2016, 2017, last year he was a Cy Young contender, that he didn't blow his arm out in 2012, and the Nationals have had multiple trips to the postseason, and Strasburg has been a big contributor to them. And I would argue that if the Nationals wound up beating the Cubs in last year's division series, uh, Strasburg would have been the most valuable player if they, had, if they gave out that prize, which I personally do. But here's the deal. It still hangs over their head because they haven't won a postseason series. And the whole criticism of saying, hey, shouldn't you put your best team on the field is you never know when it's all going to fit together. 
You never know when it all is going to click, and so you have to go for it when you get the chance. An example I'll give you right now is if you win once, it doesn't matter how many times you fall short after that. If you win once, it takes all the pressure off of the team. The Angels won the World Series in 2002. Of that run, it was their first year going to the postseason, the first time in the postseason since 86. They got in the postseason in 2002. They won the World Series. And they fell short in 2004, 2005, 2007, 2008, 2009. And nobody looked at the Angels and said, oh man, the Angels can never win. Because they because there was the memory of them winning. And a lot of those players who, who were still on that team whether it was the Darren Erstads or the Garrett Andersons or whomever, stayed on that team for a bunch of years, so it still felt like that team that won the World Series. If the Nationals won the World Series in 2012, and they had everything, the exact same things happen, losing the 18-inning game to the Giants in 2014, collapsing in 2015 with Papelbon strangling Bryce Harper, uh, the Jock Peterson home run off of Max Scherzer in 2016. Last year, you know, the, the meltdown in the, the final game against the Cubs. If all those things happened exactly the same, there would still be a sense, well, it's the Nationals. They, they won it that year. There would not be an aura of choking about them. You know, to use a more extreme example, if Norwood kicked that field goal in the Giants-Bills Super Bowl, the first one, and then they lost the next three Super Bowls, the Bills would have been a member of having one of the greatest Super Bowl runs in the history of the game. <laughs> they won one. They made four straight Super Bowls winning one. I mean, that's just the truth. And that still hangs over the franchise. And it makes me want the team to win more because I like them. I've always liked the Nationals. I, I do not root for them against San Francisco because the Giants are my favorite national team. But every other time, yeah, I rooted for the Nationals. I want to see a Washington World Series title. It would be cool. And this team has certainly has the talent. Absolutely they have the talent. They should have won the World Series in 2014. You could say, all right, they were, over, they were overly nervous. But, yeah, they should have beaten the Cardinals in 2012. But would that national team go on to beat the Giants in 2012? I don't know. A Giants versus the Nationals League Championship Series would have been really tight in 2012. I grant you that. 2014, forget about it. The Nationals should have clobbered the Giants. And if they had won that 18-inning game, they probably would have won the Division Series. And they were better than St. Louis. They would have gone to the World Series. I think they would have been better than the Kansas City Royals. That team should have won the World Series. 2014, your world champion, Washington Nationals. But they didn't. And that team had Steven Strasburg on it. But I was thinking about Steven Strasburg for another reason. And this is has nothing to do with that. That, you know, because... You know, that's just a, a thing that hangs over the team. And it may not be fair that it hangs over the team, but being fair has nothing to do with it. 
Being fair has nothing to do with your identity. It's how people will look at your team. They choke. They had a chance to win it in 2012. They didn't put their best team on the field, and they haven't gotten out of the first round since. That's their identity. Is it fair? No. But the only way to shake it is to win the pennant in the World Series. You know, people chanting 1918 wasn't always fair for Red Sox fans. Bringing up the the Billy Goat wasn't always fair for uh, Cub fans. Bringing up the fact that no Cleveland team has won since the 64 Cleveland Browns wasn't fair to Cleveland fans. But it's true that that's how people see you. And the only way to reverse it is to reverse it. But Strasburg, let's stay positive for a second. Strasburg's one of my favorite players in baseball. He is. You know, I mean, it's a tough question. Who's your favorite player? I don't have one. I know if I have to pick one in my whole life, it would probably be Pedro Martinez. But like today, who's your favorite player? I don't know. I like watching a lot of players. You know, I like I enjoy watching a lot of players for different reasons. And I've learned to to gain appreciation for certain players, especially when they play at a high level. Like I don't I don't think I ever had the appreciation for Jose Altuve until this postseason. I don't think I had the appreciation for someone like Justin Turner until the last few years. You know, your, your appreciation fluctuates. Of course I'm going to say names like Mike Trout, you know, and someone like him is, is someone who I truly, you know, someone like Joey Votto, someone like Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, because they're fun and they're exciting. But Strasburg. Strasburg has become one of my favorite players. I, first of all, I like ace pitchers. I like guys who, when they're pitching well, are kind of dominating. I do like that. But there's another element to this. And it's the thing that makes 2012 so frustrating. Steven Strasburg has followed through on his end. What does that mean, Sully? He was drafted by Washington when Washington was still the franchise that wandered into the nation's capital from Montreal. Couldn't put a winning product on the field were terrible, and was the number one overall pick by the Nats. Now, number one overall picks can sometimes be Chipper Jones, can be Ken Griffey Jr., can be Bryce Harper, or they could be Luke Hochaver. They could, you know, you could be a crap number one overall pick. You could be a number one overall pick who never makes it to the majors. And so the pressure of being a number one overall pick is, okay, we had a crap year, and the reward for the crap year is we get to bring in a star, a potential star player. He fulfilled his end of the bargain. As a number one overall pick, he's been an all-star, a Cy Young contender, and someone who's been a contributor to several trips to the postseason. You really can't ask for more than that from number one overall pick. And then he came onto the scene in, 19, in uh, 19, Jesus Christ, in 2010 as this young phenom, and from the beginning was electrifying and dynamic. He was fun to watch. And then, he, of course, he had the Tommy John. 
And he came back and was good. He returned from Tommy John. Not everyone who comes back from injury comes back and dominates. You don't believe me? Ask Met fans how they feel about Matt Harvey these days. Is he the dark knight? And so he's followed through. And when, as I said before, that he has uh, you know, been a solid contributor, when they shut him down, so he's going to be a contributor for a bunch of division winners, he followed through on that. He did. But the other thing that I like a lot about Steven Strasburg is that he became... Okay, Ryan Zimmerman was the uh, the first... Uh, well, not Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Zimmerman. Sorry, there, there are multiple Zimmermans in the history of the Nationals. Ryan Zimmerman was the first homegrown star for the Nats who had no exposed ties or anything like that. But Strasburg became the face of the team in some ways. The homegrown star. He and Bryce Harper are linked together. And that these two are the two who are the you know the first round draft picks brought up, not imported from other teams. They are nationals. They are Washington sports fans. Team guys. They have. Stumbled across that sentence. I'm not even going to edit it out. And the nationals face was this guy with the, the weird ears but could really bring it on the on the mound. And in this day and age where a pitcher like Strasburg is one of the biggest and most expensive commodities, just ask his teammate Max Scherzer, who came over for no shortage of money from the Detroit Tigers to deliver a championship to Washington. It hasn't happened yet. And Strasburg signed a contract extension instead of going to free agency. He never went to free agency. Signed a big contract extension because he wanted to stay a Washington National. He wanted to remain with the team. Now, he does have an opt-out clause as, you know, it's his right to negotiate that. But by the time that opt-out clause could potentially even be exercised, he will have played 10 seasons with the National. He would have given them a decade. And this day and age of free agency, you really can't ask for more than a decade from a player. That's really, if you ask for more than that, you're really being unreasonable. And so we're going to get a decade of Steven Strasburg as a Washington National. And that was by his choice. He didn't, it wasn't because the Nationals outbid the other teams. And it's not that Steven Strasburg is going to be on welfare. He's making millions upon millions of dollars. I'm not trying to make him out to be some saint. But what that is, is what I call the Gwyn Ripken Puckett effect. What the hell does that mean? I'll tell you exactly what that means. That means he showed loyalty to the fans and the organization. When people talk about player loyalty, they will bring up some bygone era where players stayed with their teams forever. And they may bring up the DiMaggio's and the Gehrig's and all that shit. And the reason I say shit there is because that's what that is. 
There was no loyalty to your team before 1976 because there was no free agency. You could not negotiate with other teams. You couldn't leave other teams. You were stuck with your team. So when you saw Joe DiMaggio was a Yankee for life, guess what? He had no choice. Now, it happened to be a good place for him to be, but guess what? There were stars on the Browns. There were stars on the Phillies. There were stars on the Senators who were like, geez, I'd like to get out of my situation, please. I wouldn't mind going to the Yankees. I wouldn't mind going to the Dodgers. I wouldn't mind going to the Giants. I wouldn't mind going to the Braves or whatever teams were getting into the World Series then. They showed no loyalty. They had no choice. At the end of the year, they could either sign a contract with a team they previously played for or sit out. That's all they could do. They could not negotiate with another team. They couldn't leave. There was no... I'm not saying that these players weren't, wouldn't have been loyal. There just was no test of loyalty. It's like me saying I'm a great javelin thrower. I'm one of the best. All right, here's a javelin. Can we test it? Nope. It's actually, that's the same thing. None of them had their loyalty tested of whether or not they want to stay the team because they had no choice in the matter. I have never thrown a javelin. Therefore, I cannot tell you whether or not I'm a good javelin thrower. They never had a chance to go to free agency. Therefore, we don't know whether or not they would have stayed with their team. What would have happened if the Red Sox dangled millions of dollars in front of Joe DiMaggio and said, hey, sign with us, sign with us, sign with us. Joe DiMaggio would never blah, 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 blah. Yes, players changed teams, like Babe Ruth went from the Red Sox to the Yankees, but that was because the teams could move players around. The teams could make a deal. Here, well, you know, they got money for Babe Ruth, and we'll trade this player for that. Or they could cut a player, or a player could sit out. But it was never, ever, I am going, my contract is up, I'm still a top-flight player, I am going to test the market. None of them did that. And therefore, none of them were able to test their loyalty. Now, a player like Cal Ripken stayed with the Orioles all those years. A player like Tony Gwynn signed contracts to stay with the Padres, much to the ire of his union, that were below his market value, but he wanted to stay in San Diego. He did not want to go anywhere else. Kirby Puckett, who we found out later was not a very good person off the field, but he stayed with the Minnesota Twins despite being offered more money by Philadelphia and by Boston because he wanted to stay with the Twins. That's loyalty. Staying with your team when you have a chance to explore other options and not like what happened with like Jeter and all and the and Posada and all them because they were offered top dollar. You know, I'm I'm loath to put them in the loyalty column because it wasn't like they were offered more that they turned down an offer, they turned down an opportunity to make more money. 
Steven Strasburg turned down an opportunity to make more money because he wanted to stay in Washington. Think about that sentence I just said. He could have made so much more money. And he may have wound up staying with Washington. But he would have had them over a barrel, would have had them in a bidding war. You know, he would, you know, you put Steven Strasburg on the open market. You don't think the Yankees would try to gobble him up? You don't think the Mets would try to gobble him up? You don't think Los Angeles would try to gobble him up? The Red Sox would try to gobble him up? The Cubs, all the high-paying teams. You know, you don't think that Philadelphia, with a ton of money to spend, wouldn't sign him? He could have gone out on the free agent market and said, whatever you want to give me. And instead, he forego that. That's loyalty. Anytime you talk about loyalty, you're talking about someone whose clips and heroics are only seen in black and white. Throw that in the dumpster. That's me throwing a javelin. Steven Strasburg is a different story. Steven Strasburg showed loyalty. And that's something I want you to think about. Something I want you to think about when you look for players that you want to root for on other teams. And if you talk about there's no loyalty in sports or this, that, or the other thing. That's not true. It isn't. Think about what loyalty really means. I'm staying here. I'm giving up potential riches and fame and other things because I want to stay here. That's loyalty. Not... I have no choice but to come back, so I might as well come back. You have no choice in that. You've not been tested for that. That's the same as watching a baseball game, say, oh, I could have struck him out. I could have struck him out. Well, you, you didn't. And you're not on the mound. You'll never be tested that. So I'd like to see Washington win. I'd like to see Washington win, not just for Balbino, but for Strasburg. Do you know why? Loyalty like that should be rewarded. Should have already been rewarded in 2014, but that's another story. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talk a little Nats and talk about some loyalty. This has been Sully Baseball, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.